It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. From our Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Studios in San Diego, in the midst of a driving rainstorm, we <laughs> welcome you to Hacksaw's Headlines, our Thursday podcast. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host. We did not make him do the podcast out in left field, which is <laughs> underwater. John Riley joins us. And for the next hour, we have a lot to cover in the world of sports. Item one, our podcast podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Stores. There are nine locations in San Diego. You've got projects for your home, for work. We invite you to check in with those people at Dixie Line Lumber and by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We will need help with our eyes going forward when you have questions, when you need tests, when you need advice or help. You need North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. John Riley, do you own a kayak or a rowboat? <laughs> we need something, maybe a surfboard or something, but it's coming down. But, you know, we're taking a break here. It's no big sporting <laughs> events this weekend, right? At least outdoor ones. And no leaks in your roof yet, but yet. it's early in the day. For those yeah. who live out of town, uh, we based here in Southern California and San Diego, five inches of rain in the next 24 hours. We need a kayak or a canoe. John, we've got a ton of topics on the table. We're going to jump to that momentarily. Everybody that joins us on our live stream wants to get involved with our podcast. We have created this thing called Fans Forum. And if you're a viewer on live stream, you have a chance to be part of our podcast right at the end. John, for 15 seconds, tell them about Fans Forum. Okay, I only have 15 seconds. <laughs> All right, we got some guys on the board already. Callan and Raul and Michael and, and Take the Fifth. So if you have a question or comment for Hacksaw on anything going on in the world of sports, type it in the live chat, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. We'll get you involved in fans forum and if you like what we do on sports we want you to subscribe that way you'll get notifications every time we put something up on my youtube channel and if you like sports you need to check my website that's the address right across the top leehacksawhamilton.com i write on it every day of the week i guarantee you if you read my website every day you'll know an absolute ton of sports that you're not going to get anywhere else and we want you to subscribe so you'll get the notifications every time we add something to the youtube channel and we want you to share tell all your friends what we do and stop laughing he doesn't have any friends that's okay but you can give us a thumbs up if you like what we're doing and give us a five-star rating because yeah. we need all the help we can get john have we got a lot to discuss we're going we a lot of different directions this is by week super bowl is a week from now ton of other toppers have just kind of shown up on the table. Yeah, so let's uh, let's start here with Aztec basketball. I mean, they lost in Colorado State, and that was a tough one. Tell you what, three straight road blowouts. Mountain West Conference is tough. Add into the equation, this is not the same San Diego basketball team that the state showed us a year ago or in years gone by. Um, I think what happened in Colorado State, much like what happened at Boise, much what happened at New Mexico— is a byproduct of a really competitive conference, John. I also think it's a statement of the shortcomings on this Aztecs basketball team. You got the bad blowouts, three straight bad blowouts on network TV. I hate to be critical. These are college kids, and that coach has been unbelievably successful. But this might be the most unimpressive 16-5 and basketball team 
I have ever seen. There's no consistency to the team game. There's no rebounding in stretches of time. The outside shooting has been unbelievably inconsistent. Where's the rebounding? Where's the defense in the paint? There's just a myriad of things that are not right with Aztec basketball. And what really alarms me, aside from the shortcomings collectively, they as a team have not improved. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we still have half a season in the Mountain West Conference, and we got the tournament games to be played. Jaden Ledee, he goes through these spells where they take him out of the game. I don't think it's as much on Ledee who I think is one of the best players on the West Coast, as it is what's not happening around Jaden Ledee. But you can't have your star uh, go one basket in 11 minutes, one basket in 19 minutes, one basket in 29 minutes, or no baskets for an entire half. Just can't happen. They don't have a legitimate five. They don't have a legitimate Nathan Mensah post player where they could move Ledee to power forward where I think he would really excel. And because he's playing high post or he has to play down on the block, they're doubling him. They're tripling him. And they're daring anybody out on the perimeter at San Diego State, go ahead and hit a shot. We're going to take him out of the flow of the offense. And it's happened an awful lot, and especially during these three blowout losses on the road. The veteran guards, I thought, would carry this team. And in flashes, we have seen what Trammell can do. And obviously, in flashes, what we've seen the other guards to do, including Reese Waters, who's had stretches. But they've just been streaky. They've been really, really inconsistent. And part of it's got to do with injuries, Lamont Butler, illness, Trammell, etc. Waters getting hurt. They've just not picked it up. I'm kind of disappointed in Micah Parrish at this point of his career. Second half of last season, he played really well in terms of defense and in terms of stroking outside shots. Have not seen that at all. I mean, when in modern times in the Brian Dutcher era, would you ever see an Aztec team get outscored 11 nothing, 14 nothing, 17 4, as they did at Colorado? It's just not the same team. And defensively, there is no rim protector. They gave up 30 points in the paint. At Colorado State, uh, you can use the explanation, don't make this an excuse, altitude, and I would buy into that, but not this last loss. They were off for a whole week. Mm. It's not like they were fatigued getting off one flight to get on another flight to go back and play in the out. They had a week to prepare and a week to get ready. I don't want to hear about fatigue. That's part of the, the Mountain West. So, And we saw something we'd never seen before aside from really bad stretches of basketball. We saw the meltdown of Brian Dutcher, the screaming oh, yeah, and, and the slamming of the clipboard yes. and all that to try to pissed. re-deliver the message to San Diego State. Season over? No, not at all. But I'm really disappointed because I've not seen the improvement around a legitimate first-round draft pick, Jaden Ledee, and that's on those players. So they got half half a schedule to fix it, have a bunch of home games here to be played, and they'll they'll pay back some of these guys that beat their brains out on the road. And we've got the Mountain West Conference tournament, which will be on neutral floor, which will be a bigger benefit than playing in Fort Collins or Laramie or mm-hmm. Boise or down in the pit in Albuquerque. 
So you tell me, am I right or am I wrong? This is the most unimpressive 16-5 and five team we've seen in a long time. That's no, not unimpressive. I mean, the, the, Reese Waters has got a great stroke. Like you say, it's just inconsistent, you know. And I watch Ladee, and I think he's like a tick too slow. He gets the ball, and he immediately gets double-triple teamed. And sometimes he brings the ball down, and then he gets mugged, you know. Or he brings the ball around, and then he's surrounded. And he doesn't get the foul calls, but still, he's got to get the ball and distribute it quickly. Um, who else? Elijah Sa- Saunders. Sometimes you kind of wonder why is he out there? And it seemed like Jay Powell was in the doghouse in the last game. He wasn't on the floor very much in the second half at all. So, you know, Dutcher was rightfully, you know, PO'd at his team because they just weren't playing defense and they are continuing to get out muscled, out hustled, out Aztec by all these other Mountain West teams. There's no Nathan Mensa in the paint. There's no rim protector. And that changes the equation. Do you think if they win? Big man by committee and put Ladie out at the four, which would give him more space to put it on the floor and go to the basket or pull up and take jumpers that he can hit. Do you think they'd be better served or that kill him inside because then they have virtually no defense? Well, they need to have Ladie on the four. The problem is, is who's going to play the five? Because Saunders can't do it. You know, um, Miles Heidi has shown flashes, but he's still so young. Um, And then who's the other guy? It's Demarche Johnson, who is like the last guy on the bench of the scholarship players. And he gets in there and he always seems to be a little bit lost when he's on the court. So they don't really, yeah, you're right. They don't have a guy like that. They wish they had Mensa. And by the way, Mensa's having a nice little run in Charlotte being a rim protector. Did you see him shake the hands of his teammate? Of Malachi, yeah. When the Hornets played the New York Knicks. Yeah, that was sweet. It was fascinating. Mm -hmm. But that being said... I don't know if there are any Aztec fans who want to join us on Fans Forum, but if you got an opinion about where San Diego State is right now, I'm not going to say disgusted and disappointed, but I'm surprised they have not improved. And that's a sign of good coaching and a team that's coming together. They still have time to rally it, but they, geez, they got a problem in the paint at the number five position, which is impacting their star guy, uh, Jaden Ladee. Uh, Aztec fan, uh, basketball fan, join us on Fans Forum. We go from one basketball story to another basketball story. It's not getting any better. Yeah, the Lakers roster. I mean, you wouldn't believe the amount of social media comments about this topic, Lee. People are hot and angry at the Lakers. What are they going to do? How are they going to get themselves out of this hole? You know, a week ago, we put up on a board all the acquisitions and the deals that that guy, the general manager, Rob Polinka, attempted to make in around the trading deadline to change the chemistry and to add to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And outside of a spurt the second half of last season after they made the volume of trades, this team has just not played like we've come accustomed to Laker basketball. And here we are, them on the road, going into Boston, going into New York, Celtics, Knicks, red hot, after getting battered in Houston, losing to Golden or the shootout with Golden State, which is not a great team, and then getting smoked in Atlanta. I mean, I am shocked. Polinka's team that he put together and gave to Darvin Ham, that defense has given up 137 points a game over the last four games. Laker basketball, I mean, they're, they're painted into a bad corner. They only have one first-round draft pick to use as trade bait. If they're going to make a deal, possibly with Atlanta, for DeJounte Murray, or maybe Washington to re-import Kyle Kuzma, they're going to have to give up Maybe the point guard, D'Angelo Russell, another player. People are asking for Austin Reeves and that number one pick. 
So I don't know what Polinka does, uh, does at this point in time. Uh, we never know from week to week. Rui Hachimura going to be contributing consistently or just be a body on the bench? Jared Vanderbilt, they got nothing out of Cam Reddish and Gabe Vincent. The guards they brought in last summer both have had major injury problems. We hardly ever see Max Christie last year's number one. We don't see this year's number one. Um, I mean, there's trade rumors everywhere. I don't know how the Lakers fix this because they've now had five straight years at the trade deadline where Polinka's tried to fix things. And there never seems to be any accountability. Polinka doesn't lose his mind publicly about this mess. The owner, Jeannie Buss, oh, we own the Lakers. <laughs> Sellouts forever and ever. Yeah. Everybody's going to come except Jack Nicholson. And they don't hold anybody accountable. This is such a far cry from what used to be Kobe Shaq, used to be Magic Showtown, used to be Kareem, used to be Wilt, Taylor, yeah. West. This is so far removed from what Laker basketball used to be. So you tell me, because I'm losing my mind over what I'm seeing from the Lakers, <laughs> am I overreacting, or they've settled for something different compared to what they used to be? And John Riley says... I say that the Lakers, yeah, they have a problem. And I've been reading about how LeBron is... I don't know what the right word is. He's chirping. He's upset with his teammates. He's being a little bit distant. You know, he's not being a good teammate, you know. And, and I'm thinking, oh, if this is true, if he's getting kind of whiny and pissy, you know, maybe LeBron is the problem. And in fact, a lot of the social media comments are saying, you know, let's just get rid of AD and get little LeBron and start over because this ain't working. Do you think losing's become acceptable and it's no problem because everybody's getting paid and because the Lakers owner isn't putting on any pressure on any is losing become acceptable? Well, you know, the Lakers are obviously a very proud franchise, but when the fans get disgruntled, when people stop showing up, when people start complaining, you know, they they don't like that. They don't want to hear that. So the Lakers need to make some changes, but I just don't know if you can fix the fringes of the roster. You need to fix the the, the meat and potatoes of the roster. I hate to argue with you, but you know what? I'm a talk show host, and sometimes you're wrong. How can it be on LeBron and AD? What more can they humanly do? I mean, some some nights they're playing 38 minutes, and both get dinged, and yet they're both really productive. So how can it be on King James and street clothes AD rather than the rest of the team or on the general manager? Well, you know, remember when Jordan was on running the Bulls, everyone said that he made his teammates better. Okay, is LeBron and AD, are they doing that? Are they are they really looking to the, the bench guys and trying to take them under their arm and develop them? You know, it's they've got to be able to distribute the ball. If they're, you know, two guys that are scoring all the points and getting all the rebounds, then that's a formula that won't work. I mean, that's what the Bulls were in the 1980s. There was like one or two guys, and... They, they don't have that team chemistry working. And I thought they had the team chemistry last year with the push to the playoffs. You know, but prior to that, not. I wish we could go back and pull back up that board we had of all the trades. We'll, we'll do it next week. Okay. Of all the trades that Palunka made, with all the marquee names that, quote, he hired that he thought would fix the chemistry and have not. They're 24 and 25 right now, and they're going into Boston, which is 22 and 2 at home. Then they play the Knicks at the Garden, and the Knicks, by virtue of all their transactions, they're 17 and 5 at Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't think the Lakers have a bleeping prayer in either one of those locales after what we just saw. Yeah, no way. I mean, not, not the way they're playing now. Lakers line is open. If you're an NBA fan, whether it be in San Diego, be in Los Angeles, wherever you are, viewing us on live stream, 
jump into the fans forum chat box and join us on the Lakers line. So we go from hoops. We're just a week out from baseball spring training. <laughs> yeah, so we got a new pitcher here in San Diego, Wandy Peralta. Tell me a little bit about this guy. A journeyman left-hander, uh, strung together three pretty decent seasons as kind of a setup reliever with the Yankees. Earn run average, I believe, was 2.83 over the last two seasons with the Yankees. Um, 3.88 career. So he now joins a group a traffic jam, a staff meeting of nine relievers on the Padres roster as they get ready to go to the Cactus League. Peralta will be in addition to the arrival of Eniel De Los Santos, a set-up right-handed reliever who came from Cleveland, Matsui, who came from Japan, Wusuk Go, who came from Korea, the relief corps, the committee is now led by Robert Suarez. You got the matchup guys, you got the long guys. Tom Cosgrove, Steve Wilson, Luis Patino, Adrian Morion, Matt Waldron, Pedro Avila. And then you add in the new guys. They got nine collective relievers with major league experience. They have seven starting pitchers right now. That that obviously includes the frontline ace, you Darvish. Everything Joe Musgrove has become. Michael King, who was the lead point guy in the Juan Soto trade from the Yankees. And it's evident to me that A.J. Preller's inaction to try to go get another established starting pitcher means that Randy Vasquez and Joni Brito, who came from the Yankees in the Soto deal, are going to be shoved into the rotation, sink or swim. It's a different mix so you got probably three established starters, a couple of wannabe starters, nine relievers. The only thing that bothers me, you know you're going to have guys go down with health issues by mm-hmm. virtue of what we experienced last summer. I don't know that they have enough starting pitching depth because there's nobody at AAA. And Rob Snelling is, I think, a half year to a year away, their top pitcher at AA. I don't know that they have enough starting pitching from an insurance policy standpoint. So that's where we are. There's 16 guys now with Major League experience that are getting ready to go to the Cactus League. So your reaction to Peralta joining the committee in the bullpen and the breakdown of nine closers and maybe seven starters, is it enough? And John Riley says... This is interesting how this is all breaking out because... He can't get the starting pitcher, so he's amassing all of these relief arms. You wonder if there's enough room in the bullpen for all of them to fit on the bench. Um, but it makes, I think you're right. I think maybe Brito or Vasquez might be thought of as a fourth or fifth starter, but then most teams, you get to starter four and five, and it's always a roll of the dice. You know, the Padres have been blessed by having good starting all the way through uh, one through five. Well, Waka Lugo last year, prime it, example of quality. Exactly. I mean, most teams don't have that a luxury. So we're we're taking a step back, but, you know, they're going to have to figure out the pieces. Um, you know, some people are saying maybe there's a trade coming. You know, maybe uh, – Preller is going to trade Suarez or trade someone else because he there's there's just they don't fit in the roster. There's too many relievers. They got an issue, um, but again, they also have holes and they have. I'm led to believe only 18 million left, and they don't really have legitimacy at first base or DH or left field or center field. Now maybe they're just going to throw guys in there and say sink or swim. 
you know, they've, they've not made a move to re-sign Garrett Cooper. I think they should. Garrett Cooper's talking to the Boston Red Sox. Profar is still out there. They're not going to get J.D. Martinez to come for $1.1 million after the great bounce-back season he had with the Dodgers. Adam Duvall is out there, but he's not going to come for, quote, the veterans minimum, and there's teams still talking about him. Granted, the prices are coming down. So that's where we are with Padre Baseball. Padre fans, join us on this podcast. You tell us, agree or disagree, do they have enough pitching, and what about the holes that still remain? We go from that to another baseball topic. Okay, so these other free agents, is someone going to sign Snell? Well, you got Blake Snell that is still out there. And to me, the reality needs to set in pretty quickly as they go to the Grapefruit Circuit and the Cactus League and these camps open. That he is not going to get seven years, two hundred ten million, as Scott Boris asked for. I was told the Angels are still in the mix, but the Angels have drawn a line. The Angels would pay him thirty million. I was told, which would be the Otani money they had, only on a five-year deal. Well, five years, hundred fifty mils, a hell of a haul, yeah, and he sure go to the is. front of their rotation. Mm-hmm. Would he have to swallow pride? Would he have to tell Scott Boris? This is the best offer. Let me take this best offer and be the man at Anaheim Stadium. I heard the Giants are in the mix. Now, the Giants have spent some free agent money. They really need somebody at the front of the rotation to complement Logan Webb Hmm. and a couple of the young pitchers they have. Uh, I heard the Cubs are in the mix, but I don't think the Cubs are, because they've spent some money. I don't think that's it. Now, the other guy on the board there is Cody Bellinger, Chicago Cubs. Cody Bellinger was asking... Eight years, $200 million. I don't know anybody that's given Cody Bellinger a $200 million package. Granted, he had the mystical year at Wrigley Field. He had the two really good early years with the Dodgers. But on either side of that, in, in the middle, has been some really poor play. I just I think he's going back to the Cubs, but I don't even know if it's going to be eight years at $200 million. So you tell me, what should Blake Snell do? Take control of his career? or wait for the agent to find the right place. I don't know if he'd like pitching on the moon, but that Scott Boris <laughs> has always kept his stars out. Mm-hmm. And the last minute, he sends some of his guys to weird places. You know, I'll never forget, he tried to explain to me what was positive about taking Adrian Beltre out of Dodger Stadium, waited, 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 and relocated him to Seattle. Yeah, and Seattle. he didn't fit. It wasn't a happy time. Mm-hmm. So he became a free agent again, and I wound up to Texas, Phenomenal season, wound up putting him in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But that's an example. If you wait too long, the money's gone. Wait too long, locations aren't as many as might have been there very early. So what does Snell do, and what do you think is the realistic price tag on Bellinger? Well, first of all, I think they're all playing a game of chicken, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the clock is ticking. they got to report to spring training soon, and someone needs to blink first. So is it Boris? Is it Artie Moreno? I mean, who's going who's gonna to actually compromise and make the deal happen. Um, Great that the Angels are in the mix for Snell. Hopefully they're in the mix for Bellinger, too. The Angels need a lot of help. Blake Snell, you know, he has to understand that he, you know, he's not, you know, dominant every year. You're not sure what you're going to get, but boy, when he's good, he's really good. So I think it's in his interest just to kind of continue to wait and see, because he's still going to get five years times 30 million, 150 million. That's going to happen. You know, but if he hangs around, maybe Boris can get more. And Boris typically comes through for his clients. But people have gone away. Red Sox are not in the running for Snell anymore. 
I was told the Cubs decided we're going to look at Bellinger rather than Blake Snell. The Mets are trying to recalibrate, get well below the luxury tax for next year. I would have thought the Mets would have been it, but not not at seven years, $210 million for a pitcher. So outside of going to Pluto or <laughs> Mars to pitch, mm-hmm. and Boris, if there were teams there, could get the money, take them there. Where's Snell going to go? I think what he should do is he's not coming back to San Diego because they don't have any money left in the checking account. If he can get five years, 150 to be the man, and maybe you, maybe he gets opt-outs after the second year mm-hmm. where he could still go back into free agency if he has another Cy Young-type season. I mean, what he did last summer for the Padres was phenomenal. But prior to that, we'd not seen anything equal to that going back to the year he won the Cy Young before the elbow surgery with Tampa Bay. So there's a whole bunch of unproven seasons bookended by two phenomenal years. So if I'm Artie Moreno, I call Scott Boros there in Orange County. Five years, $50 million will give you to March 15th. Wait, five yeah. years, $50 million? No, five years, $150 million. Okay, $150 million. $30 right. mil per. Right. That's the offer we'll give you to March 15th. Well, has that offer been made or has it just been rumored? No, I think it's been made. Mm-hmm. But uh, Boris takes everybody's offer in and doesn't disclose anything. And then, yeah. what about Seattle? Say, I mean, that's his hometown. Do you think there's any chance that he could pop up there with the Mariners? They've spent an awful lot of money. They have an awful lot of good players. I don't think they have that kind of money in the budget. Mm. But so, if I were Snell and I surveyed this, this has been going on since November, pal. It's now yeah. February first. Yeah, if I were Snell, take control of your career. You're in Southern California. The weather's phenomenal. You're popular. You still got the ability to be the leader and be the ace of a really young staff. And you still got Mike Trout. But it's the Angels. He wants to win. You know, that that's a franchise that's been peppered with disappointment. Exactly. But you're running out of options. Yeah, you I are. Think. That's fair. So we'll see where this goes a week from now. We'll see if, if it's the Halos or if they continue to stand out on the street corner in the rain. <laughs> and we'll see what happens with Bellinger. I do think Bellinger probably might be going back uh, to Wrigleyville. Hey, we get to halftime. Hacksaw's Thursday podcast. When we're done, we want you to join us, our fans forum. John, quickly, for everybody that's new to our live stream, including those now on our O Canada Canadian network who are now <laughs> joining us, how do they get involved in fans forum? Yeah, fans forum. Just get involved. Type in your question or comment in the live chat on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll see it on the screen. I mean, it's already filling up. I'm going through the list while while Lee is talking on a lot of these issues, but you can get involved. Just uh, go to the live chat, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. And a reminder, if you like sports, check my website. It's written every day of the week, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Uh, you get the best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, my very controversial one man's opinion column, the chance to take part in the Hacksaw mini polls. That's on my website, so check that out. want you to subscribe every time we put something up on the YouTube channel, all hours, days and nights. Don't blame us if it gets dinged at 2 o'clock in the morning. We put stuff up there for you to sample and give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star salute if you wish. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Centers. There are nine stores in San Diego, more than a hundred years of service to the building community and to the families that live here in San Diego County. John, a weird experience. I drive down 15 by Carmel Mountain, mm-hmm. and just off to the west of the 15, where the double tree and the golf course used to be, mm-hmm. massive 
buildings. They are building a huge housing development. And I see all these frames of houses going up, all lumbers and roofs and things. And I thought, Dixie Line, that's where those guys are getting their supplies. So that's who Dixie Line is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people take it for granted. They just assume it's like a local hardware store. But half their business is for all these commercial builders that are building. Yeah, and for contractors. And so it's a big part of their business and a lot of San Diego, 100 years in San Diego. Dixie Line helped build the housing market in this in this uh, community. You got projects, whether it's countertops, whether it's changing your bathroom, doing something to the kitchen, whether it's the patio outside or whether it's windows and storm doors with all this cold <laughs> weather. Think like we do. Think about Dixie Line. And we go to the second half of our podcast, Taxaw's Headlines. Thanks for being with us. Hope you'll tell your friends everything that we are doing, and we will get the fans for them right at the end. So we go from all things basketball and baseball, and we zero in on a lot of news and notes the bye week going to the Super Bowl National Football League. Yeah, so the Chargers have made some big signings here, not just Harbaugh, but now a GM. Well, new coach, new general manager. Uh, the Chargers hit the jackpot cost them an unbelievable price to execute this. Jim Harbaugh introduced his head coach. They get a payday and they get a power play coach and general manager. Joe Hurtiz comes from the Baltimore Ravens. This is all part of the Harbaugh football family. Uh, Hurtiz was general manager, assistant general manager, director of player personnel for nine years in Baltimore. They have an unbelievable track record. He learned under Ozzie Newsom and uh, Eric DeCastro, the two very successful general managers of the Baltimore Ravens. His draft record has been superior. He knows how to scope, site, and sign veteran plug-in free agents. In essence, there's a resume that this general manager has that not many other general managers have had. So you take what he's accomplished, and we know what Jim Harbaugh has accomplished. And they're not afraid to gamble on veteran players, one-year rentals, etc. Uh, Harbaugh, of course, got the massive payday. I'm led to believe $12 million base salary. Now there's a report there might be an additional $3 million per year in bonuses if he gets the Chargers to the AFC Championship game or an appearance in the Super Bowl. He was given the power to have input into the hiring of Hortiz as general manager. He was given the, the green light to clean out the assistant coaching offices. That's why Kellen Moore is gone mm. and gone to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, I, I think that they've really hit the jackpot with new coach, new leader, and obviously new general manager. Now, once we get beyond the Thursday, aren't we glad to be here press conference with the Chargers <laughs> on Friday morning at breakfast, then they have to start the real business of football. They are $55 million over the salary cap. They got decisions that have to be made on some really popular and high-paid players. I don't know. Would you fire Joey Bosa? His cap figure is going to be $35 million this coming season. Has not been able to stay on the field. They gave Mike Williams a huge extension. His cap figure is $30 million, and he's had three major injuries in about five years. Can't stay on the field. The defensive tackle, Austin Johnson, has got a cap figure of $30 million. He came from the New York Giants a couple of years ago. He's not a Pro Bowl player. I don't, I don't confuse him with Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. you got the Austin Eckler situation. So once we get beyond this hoopla of the Thursday press briefings on Friday morning, they got to start working on fixing the roster. 
lucky for Hortiz. They will pick fifth. They will pick 37th in the first two rounds of the draft. And in Baltimore, his people, working with John Harbaugh, had a history of making deals, trading back, stockpiling assets. So they could take the fifth pick, flip that, and maybe wind up with a first and a second or a first and a third. You don't want to go too far down in the first round, but you can stockpile assets. So right now they're sitting at 5 and 37. So once we're done with claps and press conferences (laughs) and everything is great, when you have the first cup of coffee Friday, they got to dive in and talk about fixing a really flawed roster. John? Well, what... What was Telesco's biggest fault, his biggest problem that screwed this whole thing up that required a new guy to come in? Just the reality that they gave him nine years or 11 years. His record was 86 and 95 Mm -hmm. as general manager, making decisions with John Spanos. Um, Drafted a lot of athletes. They made the roster collectively much better, but they could not stay free of injuries. And young players didn't develop. Now, they found players who could play. Austin Eckler, that's the Division II unrecruited (laughs) pick that they wound up, and he did very well. But if I had any critique, it was that Telesco was never bold. You know, bold in terms of that free agent out there, I'm going to sign that guy. This, This guy might have a bit of a dark side to him. I might take a flyer on a one-year or two-year contract. Mm-hmm. He never, ever did that. They wanted good players. They wanted good citizens. Sometimes you have to have bleeps as part of your roster. <laughs> bleeps. Who can, play, <laughs> who can play the game right. at a different level. They never, ever did that. So that, that was my only gripe, my only critique. But they did fix the roster. And they got Justin Herbert, who kind of fell to them. So I just think they did a good job. Obviously, off the field, there's going to be some changes. They've already fired the strength and conditioning coaching staff. Harbaugh's bringing his people from the University of Michigan. We know what Harbaugh did in Ann Arbor. Developed quarterbacks. He created packages offensively, defensively, and he taught toughness. Mm -hmm. So there's some of the dimensions that were not part of Charger football in the Telesco John Spanos era. So there'll be some structural changes how they approach the game. They have to go get some more players, though, that would fit the mold of what Harbaugh wants. So what do you think about the hires? Well, I think it's good that they're bringing in guys that are all part of the Harbaugh world, you know, and that that fits. So, you know, this is a new era. We're going to find out. But I'm, I'm curious. You say they have the number five pick. If you're the Chargers, which position is of the greatest need? Is it a running back? Is it maybe a linebacker? What do you think they really need the most? Draft projections say Brent Bowers, star tight end Georgia. That's awful high to pick a tight end at number five. Mm -hmm. But once we go through the bloodletting because of the salary cap, if there's no Bosa or if there's no Austin Johnson, that's two starters in your defensive front. You may have to spend that fifth pick to go get the right defensive player that's a difference maker up front because mm. their defense has not been great. So I would I would say, what do you do with the roster one? And then item two will be, do you have to replace people because of what you did with the roster? That would be your second choice. And we do have plenty of time for them to sort out is is – the tight end Bowers from Georgia, the right guy, or do need defensive studs and linebackers or pass rushers or defensive tackles if indeed we hit the eject button on Joey Bosa. The one thing we know for certain, 
they can't keep all these $30 million a year cap figure yeah. guys on the roster. There will be some guys exiting, mm-hmm. which adds to the, the challenge of what Harbaugh and Hortiz are going to have to do. But they do have Justin Herbert, and that's a pretty good building block to start with. Yeah, so we'll see where this goes. But uh, yeah, th- those, they're kind of like what Khalil Mack, too, and Mike Williams. I mean, all these guys, they can't make them all fit on the roster. Exactly. And you know, the other problem is structurally, I can negotiate down your contract mm-hmm. to give me a little cap relief, but that means kicking the can down the road. You still have to play, pay the credit card bill. Yeah. If, if you're not going to have Khalil Mack, and he had an unbelievable season, I don't think he's in jeopardy, but you can't restructure him now because if you do, next year's cap figure might be $42 million or $45 million. <laughs> You still got to face the cap realities right. either today or a year from today going forward. So. I'd hate to see them blow Bosa out, but I'm sorry. Bosa can't stay on the field. He's always hurt. And that's, that's like a 35, 36 million cap figure. And I, as much as I like Mike Williams, he can't stay on the field. And they had to pay him that price because he was coming off a good season when he was healthy. And now he's been hurt again. Like I yeah. said, I think three major injuries and in maybe a four-year, four-and-a-half-year span. He's now worth $30 million. So they're going to have to change some of the structure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We go from Charger football. And if you're a Charger fan, what do you think? Give us your evaluation. Harbaugh versus and Hortiz linking with Justin Herbert. We go from that to news and notes around the NFL. Yeah, lots of things going on here with coaches. Okay, let's start. To me, the most surprised story is what happened with those guys, the Lions. That's the first team that we're talking about. Ben Johnson, who was a lock to get the Washington Commanders job, pulled himself out of the running early this week. This is how strange it was. The new owner, Josh Harris, of the Washington Commanders, that was the last team that had an opening, he was on his way on a plane to go to Detroit for a third interview with Ben Johnson to, quote, close the deal. And Ben Johnson made the decision to stay in Detroit with Dan Campbell rather than take the head coaching job that was probably going to be an offer an hour later when they landed in Detroit, when the Washington contingent landed there. I was I was stunned. From what I gather, what was kind of intimated to me, he liked the Washington job. Ben Johnson did because they have the second pick in the draft, and you're going to get the quarterback, and they don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He was not given full authority. I don't know whether he tried to pull a power play at the last minute, but they already, already hired a general manager, very highly regarded, Adam Peters of the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and he's been in place four weeks now. So at that point, I think Josh Harris, the incoming owner, said no. I'm not going to give you total authority. I've got this guy with great credentials, having been with the 49ers and Adam Peters, and he's going to make the shots. It'll be his team, his roster. You're going to be the coach of what you guys put together. So Ben Johnson backed away. Then we got the Seattle situation. Uh, Most everybody of the opinion, Dan Quinn was going to be the guy because he had been there under Pete Carroll. And instead, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, Baltimore Ravens, swooped in and they hired him. He's got a pretty good history of rebuilding defenses with really young players. He knows gifted athletes, and there's just an attitude of the kind of player that he has coached under John Harbaugh. So that was a surprise that they went Mike McDonald, Baltimore, going to the Seahawks rather than Dan Quinn. And then in Washington, this morning, they just hired Dan Quinn of the Dallas Cowboys to be the Washington Commanders head coach. Ah, okay. Did a great job in Dallas. Uh, had some success in Atlanta. He actually took the Falcons to the Super Bowl, and then it fell apart. And prior to that, he worked for Pete Carroll in Seattle. So there's there's quite a resume there. 
So all the jobs now in the NFL have been filled. It was kind of weird, though, the way some of these things ended up. Now, the other names, Bill Belichick. Uh, Did he interview in Washington? I was told no, but I was told there was a Zoom call between the owner and Belichick. But I think the same thing happened. Belichick, Atlanta. Belichick, Washington. Belichick wanted total control. And I think Washington's new ownership had the same answer. We just hired Adam Peters. It's going to be his roster. He's going to be the general manager. At that point, the Belichick conversation ended. The Pete Carroll scenario, uh, just stunned. But he is age 72. I don't think the game has passed him by. A little bit surprised he didn't get an opportunity in any of the interviews anyplace else. He was kind of peeved at the end that he kind of intimated, I have to explain myself to non-football people who own the Seahawks, which was kind of a shot at Paul Allen's widow, who mm. kind of runs the franchise. And he lost a power play to their general manager, John Schneider. So Belichick and Pete Carroll might be on your TV. They're not going to be on the sidelines next season uh, coaching. Uh, then we got the storylines of lead TV analyst. Here comes Tom Brady, Fox, <laughs> and that is Greg Olson that he's going to remove. And Olson has become a hot commodity. Uh, uh, Tom Brady will be the number one color analyst with the lead broadcast team and Kevin Burkhart. I'll be fascinated to see if Brady is going to be glib, how colorful Brady's going to get. We don't want a bunch of coach speak, but there's a, a comfort zone he's going to have to find if he's going to be talking about the quarterback in Seattle who's hot and cold. Is he going to say what has to be said, or is he going to sugarcoat it, and mm-hmm. etc.? etc. Olsen's going to drop down to the number two color guy. He's going to work with Joe Davis. Joe Davis, of course, is the Dodger TV announcer, really does a great job on Fox in the NFL. And then we get to the TV ratings. I told you so. You know, when we had the divisional round, that that Kansas City-Buffalo game drew 50 million TV viewers, and everybody said, I wonder if what's going to happen next weekend in the AFC-NFC championship is going to top that. Well, Kansas City of Baltimore drew 55.5 million fans. All-time record on CBS for the AFC championship game. And then the 49ers-Detroit game, NFC championship game, ended with 56.3 million viewers, second highest of all time for an NFC championship game. And at one point at the end of the game, as Frisco was coming back from the big deficit, they had 63 million viewers in the fourth quarter of Whoa. that game. So uh, the TV ratings have been superb. So, Johnny, threw a lot. There's a lot on your on your uh, plate right there. Just your reaction to what's happened with these coaching situations, whether it's it's Ben Johnson, Detroit, whether it's Seattle, it's Belichick, Carroll, etc. Well, do you think maybe Ben Johnson was getting some other information from Washington that maybe this isn't a really good gig to take because they've got a lot of other problems? And even if you got your quarterback that you wanted at the number two pick, it's still going to be a rough sledding. So do you think people, some of these coaches avoid taking those bad jobs or do they say the heck with it? This is my only opportunity. I'm going to take the money and go. There's only 32 of these jobs on the planet. So I think you take the job. If I were him, I would have taken the job because new owner, who's committed to fixing all the wrongs from the Daniel Snyder era. Mm-hmm. There will be, This is a clean piece of paper, and you're going to have the chance to bring your own staff together. Everybody from the Ron Rivera staff has been deported. You go there, you get the second pick in the draft, you're going to get a quarterback because they don't have a quarterback. They failed to have quarterbacks over the last 10 years. They got seventy million cap space with a new owner who wants to fix everything that's wrong. With no, that actually Commander sounds Silver. pretty good. So I'm a little bit surprised. Now, 
I will tell you, is one of my favorite phrases, those of you listening to me on Sports Talk Radio, a lot of these jobs are like Three Mile Island. There's nothing left. There's nobody around. And Washington's Three Mile Island. <laughs> However, you got new leadership going in to clean up all that toxic mess from the Daniel Snyder era. That's why I think Johnson he had the chance to go be his own man. And very seldom you go in the door with a high pick and a truckload of cap space with a new owner that wants to do it correctly and believes in you. So a little bit surprised. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm fascinated to see how that goes. But I want to talk about Brady because Greg Olson got screwed. I mean, Greg Olson is legit. That guy is good. He's way better than Collinsworth. And and here Brady comes rolling in. You know, it's like the, the new girlfriend and he gets the bump. Uh, I, but I think Brady, he, he's snarky. He's got some uh, witty comedy and he'll call people out. The question is, 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 is he going to be coached by, uh, what is it, CBS, whether they're going to let him speak Fox. his mind? Oh, it's Fox. So I was told that Brady has spent a chunk of the season going to Los Angeles and meeting with Fox people and going through, quote, dry runs oh, really? off video. So I think he's practicing. But, you know... The relationship is play-by-play guy, color guy, give him his space, but he has to understand his space is this. It's not some long, elongated answers. It takes time to get comfortable and to do that. But he's smart and he's glib. The question for as it relates to Tom Brady is what will the content of his comments be? I don't want to hear coach speak, and I don't want long, drawn-out things in which you just talk and talk, but you don't really make a point. You know, if... <laughs> If I'm watching Matthew Stafford get battered by the Rams, is Tom Brady going to talk about the fact that left guard keeps taking penalties or the left guard can't handle gap control? Color analysts have to enunciate what they see and be truthful, even if it makes the center and the left guard look like failures because the quarterback's getting battered back there. So we'll just have to see how erudite he is. Can he deliver the message? And will the content of the message be right on? Because the worst thing is coach speak. Don't be telling me about coach speak. Well, you worked in a three-man booth. I mean, how is that dynamic different than a two-man booth? I mean, because, again, Olsen got robbed here. He had one of the top color jobs, and it's gone now. But the Monday Night Football had a three-man booth. I mean, does that formula no longer work? Sometimes it works depending who the guys are and the ability of analyst one and analyst two to work with the play-by-play guy. I did three in the booth with the Chargers, and we just had an understanding. My Jim Laslovic, Pat Curran, I'm going to paint the picture. You fill in the dots. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be within this confine. Don't be yapping, yapping, yapping as they're coming to the line of scrimmage for the next snap. Somehow yeah. I think you're trying to coach me right now. Yes. <laughs> Quit your yapping, Riley. I- <laughs> so it takes chemistry, and we had great chemistry almost from the get-go with the Chargers. And then I went to Seattle, and we had two plus one. We had a third guy on the sidelines to work <coughs> with a color analyst. I worked with a guy by the name of Steve Rabel, longtime uh, wide receiver who had been the color analyst on Seahawks. I walked in the front door and we just hit it off. And I gave him plenty of space. And then we incorporated. We had a third guy by the name of Ron Callen, who was fabulous down on the sidelines. Mm. Usually sideline guys, they go to him twice a half. Hell, I went to I went to Ron Callen twice every series. Nice. So... Here, here, here's your space. I'll color it for you. You jump in. Our broadcast, our broadcast in Seattle, I thought were really electric. I thought our, the fans thought our Charger broadcast were really good. Okay, we go from all that. And by the way, 
Greg Olson's not disappearing. He'll be the number two guy on the number two team, which means he's going to have a lot of marquee games. I think it was unique. Maybe there had been thought, can we put a three in the booth on the lead broadcast? Can we have their play-by-play guy work with both Brady and Olson? But the decision was made no, uh, because it's tough to have three in the booth on TV. Yeah. So, well, but what, what about the fact that all these new streaming platforms are coming online and they all have to have their number one team. So right now we have four number one teams. Maybe there's going to be five and six and that'll open up something for Olsen. Maybe. But again, I'll, I'll, I'll invoke my Al Michaels comment. And I like Al Michaels. I think he's the most complete broadcaster. Why did you do this? Why did you take yourself off Sunday night football, him and Collinsworth, <laughs> yeah. to go to Amazon? Where they're hard, they're not getting anywhere near the viewership you would get on regular. Why would you do that? Except maybe it was a bigger payday. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. And Amazon's got money to spend. Yeah, and I think I think Michael's is great. I don't think it should have been off my network TV because now you go on subscription and the subscription viewership numbers are this compared to this on network TV. Yeah, but that's, that's one gonna, man's opinion. That's going to change over time. Okay, all right, we go from that. Last topic on the table before we get to fans' forum. Go ahead, John. Okay, the high-speed sports wire. Got some breaking news. <laughs> yeah, let's start with names in the news. Let's start with Rory McIlroy. He has been so vociferous about the LIV and what it's done to pro golf and rating the PGA, and he condemned those guys that took the blood money and went abroad, the Phil Mickelsons, the Dustin Johnsons, and now John Rahm. He just said this week, and Rory has not played on the tour yet, uh, he had played over in Dubai the first couple of weeks when the tour was in Hawaii and then in California. Roy McElroy says the PGA needs to get this merger done with LIV, and they need to allow all the defectors to come back with no penalty, yeah. no buy-in. Because yeah. in essence, and we talked about this last week at Torrey Pines, all of a sudden the PGA rosters are depleted. I mean, yes, Farmers Open, phenomenal finish. Nobody knew who those golfers were. All the marquee names have gone. So Rory McIlroy goes public, does a U-turn, doesn't get a parking ticket, and says, let's get this merger done. Let's allow the LIV guys to come back and be part of our tour, and let's not penalize them for what they did. Now, the LIV, this is a shocker. They're about to raid the PGA for another star. They're talking about taking the Norway star, Victor Hovland. He's the next one that might jump. They just took Ty Hatton from England, who's Mm -hmm. a young guy. And, of course, prior to that, they took John Rahm. So McElroy's gone very public, says, let's get this deal done so we can get everybody back playing in a lot of the tournament stops. Okay, so we go from golf. Bob Baffert, you know, he's been involved in this war since 2021 over Medina Spirit, the Kentucky Derby winner, who tested positive for drugs in the system. That horse tragically died later that year. Uh, Bob Baffert's in the middle of a third-year suspension at Churchill Downs. Uh, In the past two years, he had taken his stable of horses and assigned it to other trainers because part of the suspension is Baffert can't train horses to enter in the Derby or the whole weekend, the Derby. Last two years, he assigned his horses to other trainers they ran. This year, he said no. Uh, even though he's dropped all of his lawsuits against Churchill Downs, and even though he's still serving, quote, a third year of a sanction, 
he has decided I'm not going to make my guys available at Churchill Downs. He's he's entering all 18 of the horses in a stable that he trains. We'll go to Preakness. We'll go to Belmont Stakes for their big weekends. So Baffert, I don't know if this is a response, this is retaliation, or he just decided I'm not going to make my guys available. That's a that's a bit of a blow because he trained some of the elite three-year-olds yeah. that would have been in the Kentucky Derby field. Soccer, Gio Reyna, new mailing address. Uh, with the help, and this is weird, with the help of Greg Berhalter, Team USA's men's World Cup soccer coach, who they had feuded with. He has been transferred from Dortmund, Germany, landing point this weekend, Nottingham Forest English Premier League. Cool. He had been related to sitting on the bench in Germany. In Germany. Why would Dortmund not play this guy? Because you can see flashes of the guy's upside, but they didn't play him. He asked out, released early from his contract. He arrives at Nottingham Forest, and he will be in the starting lineup. Hockey. Uh, we had talked during leading up to the NHL draft about the Anaheim Ducks had the second pick in the draft. What are they going to do? And they took the Swedish young forward, Leo Carlson, who's played well till they got hurt. And the third player went to Columbus, and that was Adam Fantilli, uh, star, University of Michigan. Fantilli just got hurt. Skate cut. Back of the calf. Ooh. Uh, got sliced. Gone minimum eight weeks. And he was wearing all the protective gear. Mm. They have this this Kelvo protection that hockey players wear around their calves, down to their Achilles. And it the skate cut, it was a fluke hit. Went went through all the protective gear. Oh wow! So calf injury, Fantilli is out. He scored twelve goals this season. Ugly story in Canada. Four NHL players have taken leaves of absence. Uh, they are being sued. They're going to court. Have had to turn themselves into London, Ontario, over a quote alleged gang rape back in 2018 when they were all young players playing for the Canadian national team in the World Hockey Championships, including. Uh, the goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers. All the players say it was consensual sex with a woman in London, Ontario, while they were playing in the tournament. Uh, the Flyers goaltender says he is not uh, going to plead guilty. He will plead not guilty. Big racing story that just broke. Lewis Hamilton, legendary driver, Mercedes, has won 99 career races, has won the championship six times. Lewis Hamilton has just announced he is leaving Mercedes at the end of this year. He's signing a big money contract to go to Ferrari. Uh, he's had a real tough time the last two years because Mercedes woke up one day and they could not build engines that would work. And they have not com- been competitive for two straight years. And Lewis Hamilton, the Britain star, has not won a race in the last two years. Max Verstappen and Team Red Bull have figured it all out technically, and they, they have dominated in Formula One. And then there's Taylor Swift. All things <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift. Here's the gut feel. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl... Travis Kelsey will kneel down and ask Taylor Swift to marry him on network TV. Keep an eye on that. Really? Because every time Travis Kelsey makes a play in a Kansas City Chief game, the next shot is on what's going on in the owner's booth yeah. with Taylor Swift. This is fascinating to see how the, how the world has just responded to this woman uh, and um, everywhere she's been. So it just to me, it's just utterly spectacular at this point that she has become a magnet. And the NFL just stands there and says, that's okay. Because based on what Taylor does on all her social media accounts, and hell, she's got more viewers than you and me. Oh, yes, for sure. Based, based on what she does, 
she keeps directing all of her followers, and there's a few million, like three million of them, to come sample NFL games. So that's all part of watching games on TV. So they, those are the names in the news. John, I'll let you cherry pick what you want to talk about. Well, if I'm going to cherry pick, I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so there are so many ridiculous storylines to this whole thing. Like, number one, did you see how people think there's this conspiracy theory that she's a psyops and, you know, CIA and it's all all a ruse. It's part of the deep state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Doesn't matter. And then they're afraid, you know, that she's going to influence voters one way or the other on the election. Um then there's the other dynamic of people that just get so angry every time they show her in the booth. And, you know, you talked about Jack Nicholson earlier in this podcast episode. How many times do we see him at Lakers games or or we see Spike Lee in the front row, of the New York Knicks? I mean, to me, it's entertainment. That's what all sports is. Yeah, so, it's a cultural thing. I think it's cool. They showed the one video two weeks ago of her sitting in the owner's booth with a bunch of her friends and they're all doing this yeah, dance. And yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, it is. You know, okay, we saw that. That's great. Let's go back and watch the third and sixth play. They got to run. Well, and it, plus it's, it's the NFL. There's always that, you know, 40 minute, second play clock in between and they've got to fill in that space and they always look around at crazy people in the stands and if there ever is a celebrity they get them and I think it's cool you know and I, the fact that she's going to fly back you know from was it Singapore or Tokyo or something to go to the uh, to the Super Bowl not good on global warming you know I'll tell you that if you want to have a political angle but I think it's kind of a neat little story will it turn into a proposal remember that happened with was it a Boise State player proposed to the cheerleader about 10 years ago so maybe that's what it'll be but I think everything about Taylor Swift in the NFL is awesome. And it's fun for the <laughs> Swifties and it's fun for the NFL people, except the curmudgeons to get angry when she shows up on TV. The NFL's power couple. Y- yes. Travis and Taylor. Yeah, I like it. So what, what's your quick response on Rory doing a U-turn on Baffert? Well, I mean, Rory is right. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, we... We have been blessed with having here at the Torrey Pines, you know, the farmers uh, open so many great golfers. And you're right. Who, who the hell were these guys? Not you that know. they're bad guys. It was fun to watch, you know, what, what that French player accomplished with all the pressure on him. But who are these guys? Right. Well, and, and then on top of it, I keep rooting for our local guy, Xander Shoffley, and say, darn it, go and win one of these things. But he always is in the top five. You know, he just doesn't seem to win very many. You know, so, yeah, they need to get their act together and and bring the stars home and just, you know, kiss and make up, you know, and let's just move forward with a with all the guys all golfing. And if the LIV wants to add some innovation to team play, I'm okay with that. If they want to have men's and women team play, I think that's good, too. We can still be creative, but we got to get over this grudge match. LIV schedule starts this weekend. Hmm. John Rahm makes his debut with all the other big money guys. Yeah, who's watching? You gonna watch? No, I mean we're gonna find the game. I don't even now, know. I mean, I go. wouldn't know. Is it even on TV? Or you just answered your own question? I think hey, so. we get to the finish line. Our <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Centers. There are nine locations in San Diego. You got projects? You need to consult with them. These are really special people. Go to DixieLine.com. Find a location nearest you. Go to DixieLine.com. Find out about the gift cards and all the other bonuses they offer you. And by North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido, we're all going to need help with our eyes going forward. You do think. Remember this name, North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. 
Look at this. Do you think we have a few people with opinions on fans form? Just, John, just these are few. all your best friends. Go ahead. Okay. Here, let's go to Callan. He says, quite a game for the Ducks last night, even if it was against San Jose. Trying to up with with 101 left in regulation before Vetrano wins it in OT. Good way for them to get to the all-star break with a W. They're trying really hard. They're not having a great season. They've been beset by injuries. And the trade deadline is just around the corner. And I think they're going to make a deal. They're going to move some people off the roster to stockpile more assets. They're force-feeding all their young guys. Uh, I think Adam Henrique is probably the next one that's going to be traded. Uh, But they're doing about as good as they can do, considering the limitations they have with the injuries they've had. And they're force-feeding. Their young guys are really learning. Somewhere along the way here, you hope, quote, they turn the corner and Ducks hockey can be more than just a last-place team or actually be a playoff team. But it takes time to bring young guys in. And John Riley, who's drinking beer, <laughs> pounding on the plexiglass behind the penalty box, says, I just like to see some good hockey here in, in, in Southern California. So I'm rooting for the Ducks. But let's move on. Let's go here, talk a little NFL with Michael. He says, why wasn't Eric Bieniemy hired as a head coach for Washington? Uh, will, will he remain in Washington? It's a huge question. It's unanswered. I mean, we are talking now three straight years of going through a whole series of interviews. This is the first year he did not get a lot. I don't know if it's a byproduct that had such a wretched offensive season or it just might be the bigger picture that maybe he's a good coordinator and he's really good at coaching players up, but maybe he's not a complete package as a head coach because he's had, I want to say over a a two and a half year span, I want to say he interviewed 13 times with different teams and was never offered a head job. So maybe he's just not the complete package. Take nothing away from what he's accomplished. I've been a Biennemi fan ever since he played here with the old San Diego Chargers. And he went. He left the NFL to go back to college with all the money he made in his family, go back to college to get his degree so he could then go to college coaching because you have to have mm-hmm. either the bachelor's or the master's. He went back and did that. Then he became a college coach. Then he went back to the NFL. And, I mean, he did great things in the Andy Reid aura. One really crummy year in Washington with no quarterback and obviously a mess they had with the Washington team. I don't think he's going to be retained as coordinator under Dan Quinn's new staff. Maybe that flips. Maybe that changes. So his time, his opportunity was there. Deal never got closed. It's, it's, isn't that strange? I mean, because he was such a hot commodity. Now, here's kind of a crazy thought here. Now, you see, you see head coaches like Art Shell back in the day or Dan Campbell, these big, tough guys that played on the line. And then you got like little Eric Bieniemy and little Brandon Staley and even Jimmy Johnson isn't a very tall guy. You see him standing up with the crew. Do you think that maybe some of these men don't have the presence to command a locker room? These guys come from all different backgrounds. Yeah. I, I think personality weighs into the equation. So therefore, when we go through this interview, you know, I'm going to talk and I'm going to sales pitch you about Hacksaw and what I can do. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Here's my track record. And you're going to listen to it. But if you got somebody that interviews and, John, you're interviewing with me, but you're kind of eh, wishy-washy, namby-pamby, you're not delivering the full content of who you are, what you've accomplished, then maybe I don't come away uh, impressed with the interview. So therefore... I hold it against you. I, it has been written nationally by NFL insiders that he didn't interview well. I don't quite understand what that means, but that's got to be a piece of the equation as to why he did not get hired because, geez, he's done so many things under Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is shocking that he wasn't, he wasn't hired. 
Let's move on here. We got uh, a comment here from Jose. Colin from Tijuana. <laughs> hey, Lee. Will be someday another team like San Diego Fleet um, in the new USF, uh, USFL League? Jose, you raise a really interesting question. I was thinking about this last night. I mean, we have our baseball franchise that kind of owns this market emotionally now. Uh, and then we have a bunch of next-tier sports trying to find a niche. San Diego Soccers have had a great run, but they don't market the product, sadly. They shouldn't be playing before 1,500 fans per game at the sports arena. Yeah. I mean, they used to play with their huge, huge crowds. You know, we had some sort of arena league team, the San Diego Strike Force. It never marketed itself, never won any games. I don't know who goes to their games. Uh, we're obviously, we got into a lacrosse with rugby. Uh, obviously, we got outdoor soccer, which has just been spectacular. I would think... Why is San Diego not part of an equation to go get a team in the spring football league? You know, the XFL and the USFL just merged. Why is this market not have a spring football league team? He mentioned the San Diego fleet who were here for half a season. Nothing folded. I'm just, I'm surprised at that. And the other one I'll throw out there. I mean, we do have goals hockey in the winter. Wouldn't San Diego kind of be a unique thing for an NBA G league team? Yeah. Now you got you got the Clippers have a G League team. The Lakers have a G League team. What about one of them, Golden State? One of them coming down here and playing at the Sports Arena? Or am I reaching too far? You tell me. Well, what, what would you think would sell as another team here? Well, a G League team would do well because uh, I mean, relatively well. Um, but is it, is it the Lakers or the Clippers? They're G League teams in Ontario, California, right? I mean, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah. Um, as far as a location, you know. The, the NFL, like the USFL and the San Diego Fleet, speaking as a, f- a football fan, I have no interest in watching that. I'll go watch high school football. I'll go to the I'll go to USD in San Diego State before I go to that. That's in the spring, though. It's a spring league. It's but there's no marquee names. There's no number one draft picks. It's it's spring football with the hope that we can find some players an NFL team might bring in as the 90th guy on our roster. Yeah, and in the spring, though, I'm thinking about baseball. I'm okay. thinking about other things. Point well made. Uh, but but I am surprised that when you look at San Diego, Tijuana, metropolitan area, I mean, it's a heck of a lot bigger than San Diego by itself. And so you wish that they would kind of crack that code to make that a continuous market. But everything that's going on now, international relations and borders and everything else, it makes it harder, doesn't it? Well, it does. But we do have international games that they have now, soccer I'm talking about, placed at Snapdragon Stadium. We do have these international venues with these touring teams. They're friendlies, those games, but they play and they draw at Snapdragon. So soccer fan does get taken care of. And of course, 2025, a year from now, you'll be drinking beer with the Rowdies (laughs) for the MLS team, SDFC. That's going to be good. And you got San Diego Wave. And, and, and they're and legit. Women's. And they are legit. And we had the loyal, which I felt really badly for what Landon Donovan and all those guys did. And that franchise has kind of gone away because of the arrival a year from now at MLS. So I'd like to see a G League team here, but maybe financially it wouldn't fit at the sports arena because it, it costs money to open that. We do have a goals franchise, which when has been good on the ice, has drawn really, really great minor league hockey crowds. But they're going to blow up that sports arena in a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years, but that's down. I'll believe that when I see that. Okay, <laughs> Jose, thanks for the comments. Okay, let's go here to Angel. It says, uh, ever since winning the in-season tourney, the Lakers have been a total mess. Still think the Lakers can make the play 
playoffs, but at this point, even the Pistons can beat the Lakers. Lakers are in 10th place. They're in 10th place in the Western Conference. And they, they keep making changes. Angel, it, it's it's a very legitimate question about chemistry and how do you fix it and what do you, how do you rally the thing? And what you know, what trade assets have you got left? I mean, if you trade D'Angelo Russell, that'd be the, the second time you booted him out of here. Uh, if you trade Austin Reeves, if you're going to trade Hachimura, now you're giving up because you thought Hachimura was going to be a key component to fix the roster a year ago this time. So Rob Palenka is under, I think, under enormous pressure because despite having two stars, they don't have anybody else that's consistently contributed, which I don't understand. Well, isn't the formula you need three? I mean, that's what the mm-hmm. Bulls had. That's what the Clippers have. You need. That's what the Warriors have had. They always had three. So there really is not a number three guy. I mean, sometimes it's Russell. Sometimes it's you know uh, Reeves. Yeah, it's Reeves. Yeah, the you know, the the kid from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, it's always some other guy, but they kind of go in and out, and they're never really a star, like a legit star. So maybe the Lakers need to get another big guy there. Trade deadline coming. We'll see if they try to move the parts of the Titanic again. <laughs> okay, let's move on here to Chris, and he says, Lee, two Padres questions. I'm fine with Toddy, Machado, Bogarts, and Kim anchoring the middle of the lineup, and our bullpen with such depth seems to be every fifth day a bullpen game? Well, that could happen. Uh, you know, they're putting, and A.J. Preller's got his ideas about the, the pitchers he got in the Yankee trade. They believe in Michael King, so he becomes your third starter. And it's obvious to me, with the contraction of the budget, they don't have money to go get another veteran starting pitcher, which means Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez, who are part-time starters, part-time relievers from the Yankees, came in the soda package. Those guys are going to get the chance to be four and five. But if they have injuries, where's the depth going to come from? Well, can Adrian Morion go from bullpen to be an established starter and stay healthy because he's never been able to stay healthy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as Matt Waldron resurrected his career trying to throw knuckleballs <laughs> and all that— if he has to be your fourth or fifth starter because these other guys don't work out. So to me, the bullpen is deep. Like I said, they're nine deep. To me, the rotation's got seven right now going to spring training. But, man, I got massive questions about four, five, six, and seven and who the insurance policies might be because you're going to have injuries. Yeah, well, and then you got Reese Kinnear, who is really yeah, a four A guy from surgery. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm I'm with you. I think Vasquez Brito are going to get a shot there. What about Lorenzen? Hasn't the Padres been working him out? He threw a new hit, no hitter recently. Well, threw no hitter. He pitched in Detroit. Prior to that, it was Cincinnati. Converted outfielder, uh, unsigned still, despite throwing a no hitter, but had a high ERA. That that was a one year aberration. What he accomplished in Detroit compared to where he'd been before. Mm-hmm. It, just never thrown dominant baseball. Maybe maybe you get him on a one year rental, but at what price? And you know, if you have to pay Lorenzen five or six mil, you still got a problem at left field and center field in the first <laughs> day. Well, who we're gonna go get guys because <laughs> you don't have much left in your checking account. Uh, I would rather see them just raise the right flag and said, okay, we have nine in the bullpen, seven potential starters with experience at sixteen. Go get Garrett Cooper, put him back at first base or part-time DH or whatever, because uh, he can hit some home runs. And, it, you know, if he hits 250 and gets your 15 to 20 bombs and you get him affordable price, yeah. I mean, they, but they they only have $18 million left in the checking account, and you got these holes 
you know, we're looking at four holes now. They still have yet to fill. Well, they're going to have internal candidates for some of them, but I like your Garrett, Garrett Cooper idea. Okay, we move on. Moving on. Let's go here to, uh, this is back to Callan. He just had another good baseball question. Does Bellinger's injury history during his down seasons perhaps diminish his value? Asking for that uh, that much money after one great season doesn't erase the long gap of down seasons injuries or not. Well, that's why he is still available either to do this podcast or go play center field at Wrigley. <laughs> field uh you know he had the two mystical seasons with the dodgers then he got hurt and then he had two really substandard seasons looked like a shell of a player they didn't even pick up the option let him go to free agency cubs signed him on a one-year make good deal he did hit 306 i think he hit 26 home runs and he played a gold glove outfield and he can play center field or he can play first base but eight years 200 million scott boris asking price People are holding the crummy seasons with the Dodgers against him. So we'll see a week from now when camp's open. You know, is his price going to stay there? Is the price come down? I think the baseball people that I network with, I think he's going back to Wrigleyville, but I don't think he's going for eight years at $200 million. Who's the bigger risk on a long-term deal, Snell or Bellinger? Oh, pitcher breakdown. Yeah. But Bellinger, eight years? You kidding me? <laughs> Snell, seven years? No, I don't think so. And I happen, I happen to like Snell. And we saw something that modern day baseball you just don't see. I mean, for him to have for Blake Snell in San Diego to have a one point two zero ERA from May first to the end of the season. Those are that's Bob Gibson numbers dating back to yeah. the nineteen sixties. That was huge. And you're a baseball fan. You might be young. You Google Bob Gibson's career stats and look. Look at the numbers he posted in the late 60s into the 70s for the Cardinals. We have never seen those numbers in modern-day baseball. And Blake Snell had a summer like that, a summer to remember. Next question. Next question. Moving on down the list. This is a good one here. Uh, he says, that turtleneck goes hard. You're right. You weren't bleeping brilliant. I look pretty good. Hey, <laughs> it's raining sideways, five inches of rain, almost didn't get here. I needed a, a rowboat or a kayak to get here. So, And listen, we're doing sports talk. Who cares if I'm a fashion plate, you like it or dislike it? I was like the guys <laughs> bagging on me because I was wearing Charger gear. Well, I was the longtime voice of the Chargers. I love the logo, and I'm a Justin Herbert fan. I want him to go 17-0 and with Harbaugh. I still hope Spanos goes 0-17. But how come they're banging on me? Look at you wearing T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, I, I think you get a lot of free stuff, right? Yeah. You, you know, And so your wardrobe is full of all of it. You get to show it off. I don't own anything. It doesn't have a logo on it. Go ahead, John. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Let's go here to Yen. It says, Harbaugh fled Michigan with the NCAA breathing down his neck. Bingo. But he is a great coach. That being said, let's understand the accomplishments. What he did at Stanford to flip a really bad Cardinal football program. And what he did with the 49ers to go 49 and 14 and what he did at Michigan when he almost lost his job. A lot of people forget in 2020, they were two and four and he was on a brink of getting fired. He restructured his coaching staff and they recruited the hell out of players to Ann Arbor. And he wound up going 86 and 25 over the course of his Michigan career. I mean, he may be quirky. He may wear you out, but that's a pretty impressive resume. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the Chargers, I mean, they made the right decision. Can you believe it? They always usually make the wrong choice. Um, but, you know, I, it just I think a lot of the recruiting rules in the NCAA are archaic, yep. you know, and they need to revolutionize that. Because if you're like, you know, if, 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 if this was literally just taking a guy out for a cheeseburger, what Harbaugh did, that shouldn't be a sanctionable offense. But the offense was they violated covid recruiting. And the NCAA just killed Tennessee, and they killed Florida State. You don't think they're going to let the guys in Ann Arbor get away with it. There will be sanctions. And so I I think there's a little bit of he's fleeing before the, the sheriff but and the with, posse get there. With Zoom and everything else, why are they not allowing recruiting during COVID? I mean, there's plenty of things you could do no, safely. This this was no contact and not on campus. And Arizona State violated that. So no phone that. calls, nothing? <clears throat> there was, there was a, I want to say it was a 45-day window. But to me, that's stupid. I mean, to me, they should be able to recruit. I mean, because once you once you make it illegal, then it just invites them to find sneaky ways to to get in contact with players. And if you get caught, then you're screwed. But it's a bad rule. You're screwed in Knoxville. Yeah. For your probation, they stripped them of 30 scholarships. Brutal. And there are sanctions coming down to Florida State. And in Arizona State, they had sanctions, and they wiped out the whole coaching staff. So you can't tell me. <laughs> there are rules. Yes. John, you can't run a red light. I don't care if you dislike that but rule. change you the rules. Run. Yeah. Well, they'll change it, but it's not going to happen immediately. Okay, here, let's go to Jeff. And he says, got to use that strong cleaning pad to get rid of the Dan Snyder era. Yeah, blowtorch. Uh, and they will. <laughs> Josh Harris did a great job with the Philadelphia 76ers as their lead owner. Uh, that, that, to me, it's, it's a long road back. Um, and I'm not just talking about the roster and how they're going to build a new football stadium. And those are things that Josh Harris has to accomplish. It's a long road back. But they got the second pick and they got $70 million in cap space, which, spinning back, kind of stuns me that Ben Johnson wouldn't take that job. A lot of hard work ahead, but why would you not take it when you have the resources and you got somebody brand new with a great track record that's coming in the front door? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's disgusting what happened there. Like you say, blowtorch, you know, just fumigate the place. But the way you described it, it sounds like a pretty good opportunity. Clean piece of paper. Yeah, and number two pick and $70 million under the cap. I mean, there's a lot to work with there. Okay. You got any social media people that want to stand well, up and I, shout I do at us? Wanna, actually, I want to get a couple of these other ones in because there's good ones. And this is from Timmy Tushu. He says, Kelsey to propose plus 1060 on my book, throw a 20 on it. Okay. So I guess there's already a betting line on this. A betting line on everything. <laughs> a betting line whether you're going to punch me out before we get done doing these podcasts. Exactly. All right. Let's, let's, uh, okay, let's go over here to the social media because there's a good stuff in here. And... Here we go. Let's talk about a little bit about LeBron. And this is from uh, Tom Power. He says, as a Laker fan, since Jerry West days, dump LeBron. You could dump him. He's only got, I think he's got one year left on his contract. You could trade him for a mega contract or mega assets. But then, then, you, then you're saying you're in rebuild. And if you don't like what Laker basketball is right now, try to like what Laker basketball would be without LeBron James and with Anthony Davis, who's got the contract extension, but virtually no other players around him. Yeah, um, it's it's nuts. I mean, this this whole thing with, with the Lakers, but clearly it's not working. I mean, and they need a, they they have very few number one picks. So why not kind of restock the shelves with your number ones? We'll see. I don't know that you can trade LeBron and AD. I don't know if the fans would would cite that because. But at the, at the end of the day, next week we got to go repull that board that we built. Yeah, about all the deals that Polinka made. 
and there all were the marquee guys we thought were going to solve the situation no way. that have not solved the situation. Okay, uh, next one. Next one. Okay, it's, it's a comment about the Lions. Uh, this is from Conrad. He says, not guaranteed that Dan Campbell and the Lions get an opportunity like this again. They had a 17-point lead and a chance to go to the Super Bowl. That's just absurd. The Lions blew it away. Well, I, I maintain this, and John and I talked about this on a Monday bonus podcast Young teams, new teams have to go through a learning curve about what the Super Bowl is going to be like, that experience. And I'll trust you. They get the chance to go deep into the playoffs or go back to the NFC Championship game. And I agree with you. It's so hard to get back to where you were prior. You know, they're learning curve now about play calls and what they do with their playbook and how these players emotionally come together and understand now what postseason play is like. They're going to they're gonna learn something from what is a really disappointing experience but changes, teams change every year, John Riley. And the team you had that got to the NFC Championship game and had that lead, that may not be the same team a year from now. You know, what happens if Jared Goff gets hurt? Mm-hmm. What happens if suddenly St. Brown, legendary young wide receiver, what if he gets hurt? Other guys, injuries just change the complexion of who you are. I'll, give you, I'll just give you a quick example. Back in 1995, as voice of the Chargers, we went to the Super Bowl. Got torched by Steve Young, the great modern-day 49er offense. Everybody said, we'll be back. Well, (laughs) that next year, that next year, they started losing players by virtue of injury. Player died in an auto accident. Player died in a lightning strike in the Grand Canyon. They started losing players. That team that played in that Super Bowl game that had come together in the 94 season got us to the 95 Super Bowl. They lost every one of their offensive linemen from off-season surgery, training camp surgeries, in-season surgeries. All five of their offensive linemen had some type of knee scope, knee procedure. Never, ever the same offensive front. Stan Humphreys took a terrible beating. His career got ended by a concussion. So that's why that's why I want to say this Detroit team, as good as it, it, it's become, might not be the same team a year from tonight on our podcast just because things change with rosters. And, you know, to, to answer Khan's comment, it's tough to get back there. It really is. But it's a learning curve for that staff and these players about what the next level is and the next level in the NFL in postseason is so different than playing week five in Atlanta or <laughs> it's uh, the, the 14th week against the Washington Commanders. Well, didn't that team, the Charger team, I guess this had been in the 95 season after the Super Bowl, they had one of their players that went down in the Everglades on one of those air... Plane crash, uh, running plane, back. Yeah. I mean, it was it was tragic, all the things that happened to a lot I, of the players. I think there are now 12 of those players who are deceased. They were on that 95 Super Bowl team. Yeah. From all types of things. Heart attacks, drug overdose, the Everglades plane crash, mm-hmm. um, auto accidents, uh, cancer, leukemia, drugs. Just, I mean, it's amazing. And coaches, too, have departed. Of course, a lot of that had to do with older age. But uh, it's, it's it's stunning. You, you get there one time, you think you're coming back. Doesn't happen very no. often. <laughs> and then you draft Ryan Leaf and everything goes south. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's uh, get a couple more here. This is a Padre comment from Vivid Prune. It says, sign Sanchez and DH him at least you, until you figure it out. Rotate him in as a catcher from time to time. I concur uh, because he did have a recover my career season with the Padres with the home runs. No. If he hits 202, but he can pop some long balls and he plays a decent de- defense behind home plate, yeah. But but if he thinks he's going to get five to eight million, 
on the open market. <laughs> no way. And he's been on the open market a bunch of times in his career. Well, I think we were surprised at how well he performed when he was here last season. I was. You know, so if, if I could bring back Sanchez and Garrett Cooper, different roles mm-hmm. at affordable prices. But affordable prices can't be five or eight million for mm-hmm. each of those guys because they don't have that in the checking account now because the budget has, has been boxed in. So, But these guys go to, you know, teams who go to spring training in two weeks in Cactus League, Grapefruit Circuit, Gary Sanchez and Gert Cooper still sitting at home. Maybe they rethink and they come back here. You can always creatively package a contract. You know, I want Gary Sanchez. Because he's a vested veteran, there's a minimum. It might be a million eight because he's been in the majors so long. Gary Sanchez, here's a million eight. And we'll add on incentive clauses that might get you to $3 million if you have a good season. Do the same thing with Garrett Cooper. You can creatively back end the contract with bonus clauses. And if dude hits two fifty <coughs> with 19 or 20 home runs, he's earned that. So that's how you can creatively deal with the money thing. But if these guys think, I want $5 million or I want $8 million, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, then now they're doing those, you know, multiple opt-outs. There's a lot of different strategies. This is one social media comment. I'd love to hear your take on this, talking about the best TV analyst. He says, I take you over Romo and Collinsworth any day. Well, I am bleeping brilliant. I have no doubt about that, but I'm a radio guy, not necessarily a TV guy. But uh, I'd love, love to do it again, but just not very many jobs open. But thank you for the compliment. I do like Romo. I might be the absurd exception to the rule. I like Collinsworth. And I'm fascinated to see when we get to next August and we start having preseason games with TB12, Tom Brady, what that sounds like. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed Hacksaw's Headlines, our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center, nine stores to serve you, and by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. We'll be back next Monday, 1 p.m. slot. And when we come back next Monday, we begin our Super Bowl preview. Super Bowl week. It's going to be great. And thanks to you for being with us. Great to have you part of our team, Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.